0: Welcome to the podcast for Resurrection Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. I'm Pastor Garrett Bovinghausen. Today is Tuesday, August 4th, 2020. We had our regularly scheduled weekly Bible study this morning at uh, 10 o'clock, and we are covering the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 11 right now, and we covered last week verses 1 through 16 which I do a bit of a review on and we move on to verses 17 through 31. It's a little bit of a longer episode, uh, today, a little bit longer study. Um, I had a little bit of a problem with my, uh, stutter in reading. So, um, there are some parts there where in the readings, it's a little rough. So I apologize for that. Sometimes, uh, can't really help that uh, especially right now uh, my wife and I are expecting our first child uh, she's due um, very soon so if you would keep us in your prayers we would really appreciate that uh, that everything goes well um, and uh, that the baby's healthy and um, everything goes off that hitch So that's sort of on my mind which might, uh attribute to some of the issues of my speech impediment uh, when I get a little more nervous or I have things on my mind. Anyways, uh, that's all beside the point. Uh, we had a good discussion today, so I hope that you enjoy um, our Bible study on Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 31. God's peace be with you, and enjoy the episode. We we'll begin with a word of prayer. So excuse me. Excuse me. We we'll begin with a word of prayer. Excuse me. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, um, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, we are back in Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, right? Last week we covered some pretty good amount of ground, talking about faith. Uh, I went on and on and on a little bit about faith and the mystery of it, and to some degree that was good, and to some degree it's not, because Venita got on me. She's like, "Why are you belaboring the point? Just get on with it, right?" I mean, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. There in verse one of chapter eleven, right? For by it the people of old received their commendation, and. <laughs> I kind of went on a bit because it's important to understand that faith is very simple uh, in that it just is trust in God's Word, but it is a mystery in that it doesn't make sense, right? And We're going to see here, we're going to go back through um, chapter 11 verses 1 through 16, kind of a, I touched on some things, but we're going to push through those and go all the way through verse 31. Hopefully, uh, by the end of the of our time here. Uh, but just to recap, we'll read verses uh, one through sixteen, which say, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the that the universe was created by." the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, uh, excuse me, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as 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 excuse me, for which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he, sh- sh- that he so that he sh- should not s- see death. in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the of the of the righteousness that comes by faith by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. For he was, for he was looking forward to the city that has that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself, excuse me, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand But excuse me goodness By the seashore. These all died in faith, not having not having these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles uh, on the earth, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to, to, excuse me, to, to. My goodness, I have a really hard time today. They had, a, they, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Oh, I never get through that. My goodness. All right. Sorry. I don't know why I'm a little tight today. I'm having a little tough time speaking. But remember last time we talked about how faith, a lot of people say it faith is defined here in the first two verses, right? Although it's, it's very hard to say that that's actually the case, because whenever you say, when everyone says, yeah, well, what does it mean to have faith? And you say, well, well, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You say, okay, well, what does that mean? And it's a proverb. And we talked about last time about how proverbs are meant to be... Thought about they're meant to be rolled over in your mind. Remember how we talked about in uh, our book, Grace Upon Grace, a Christian uh, Christian. Excuse me, Christian man, Christian meditation is like a cow chewing its cud, right? just over and over and over again, rolling it around in your mind. And you're supposed to be thinking about this as we go through all the uh, champions of faith here in chapter, in, in this first part of uh, chapter 11. Right? So we say, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we said last time, who do we start with here? And a lot of people said, well, we start with Abel. But he starts with us, right? By faith, he says in chapter, in verse three, he says, "By faith we understand that the universe was created by, by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of hand, was not made out of things that are, that are, man, things that are visible." Okay, loosen up. I am thinking about that baby. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's okay. Yes. That's why my wife is not here because she's just. (gasps) No Uh don't worry. No, it's not that. It's 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 just that she's tired and and just needs the rest. So. Um, Yes. Relax with
1: Martin Luther. Faith works by love. James, Jesus, the apostles, the prophets. It does not work by law. Slander him. Faith says, Speak well of him. Put the best construction on everything. Mm-hmm. The law says, Don't try to get control of your neighbor's wife, his house, his servants, his business. No. Love says, Help him to do the best he can in his home, in his marriage, in his business. Help him, help him, help him. Don't hurt him. Help him. Always help him. Don't hurt. Him. Right. Heal. Don't kill. Tell.
0: So what does that have to do? So what and does that have deal. All right. So what does That's that have to do? That's what faith does. Herb.
1: Herb works by
0: I know. Thank you. <laughs> we got it. Thank you. If it's, if it's genuine, it's going to do that. If it's not, it's, it's a fake faith. You don't have real faith. Right. You've
1: so. You got something like beer, but all you got is a phone. That's smoother. Right. That's right. right. drinking foam. Get the beer. Drink the beer.
0: Well, let's get a beer. All right. You're, get you're right. On the beer. All right. So,
1: Spirit. Uh-huh.
0: So, that brings up a good point. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it brings up a good point that, well, I mean, you, you, you make a good point about. Love comes by faith and it only comes by way of the gospel. It's a fulfillment of the love of God that is set forward in the law, right? That the law is good, but we can't perfectly fulfill it. Christ does it on our behalf, and therefore, with the with the help of Christ and Christ's love, we fulfill the law. Um, it's not about what we do and what we can do apart from whatever. It's not about how many boxes you can take off. It's about what Christ has done for you and through you with your neighbor. Um, But when it comes to faith, in this regard with Hebrews, we see that um, there's this mystery going on here because Uh, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That in the same way, you can even think of our faith being created by God's Word. And yet we can't see it. Except for, perhaps, in the good works that we do, or the good works that others do. Kind of like what I mentioned on Sunday the good fruit of the good tree, right? And the good tree bears good fruit, naturally. Not under compulsion, not under duress, but because of the love and care that has been shown for it, right? So, with that, we see that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. This word of God is what creates. Uh, And that's, you know, my mind just, automatically goes to the, uh, the understanding of what it means for the Word to be made flesh, right? The Word was made flesh in Jesus Christ. The very Word of God, mysteriously, that brought all that we see to be the Word that was spoken, let there be light, you know, and so on and so forth. Became flesh and dwelt among us. How can that be comprehended apart from faith? How can the creation of the world be com- com- comprehended apart from faith? Sadly, nowadays, um, as a little bit of a tangent, you even have some people saying, you know, well, is it really necessary for us to ascribe to a literal six day creation period? Well, I don't know. Did, is God's word not clear? Right? Is God's word not clear that there was morning, there was evening, the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, morning and evening, clear days laid out, like uh, clear days that are there laid out. And it just boggles my mind how people say, how they're trying to make these mental gymnastics to say, well, it, within those times, it, God can make it seem like this, that, or the other. It's like, yeah, sure. I mean, if that's how you want to understand it, but just understand, God and His Word, when when He uses yom, which is only understood everywhere else in Scripture as a 24-hour day, it... You, You can pretty much say it's a 24-hour day that this took place in. Why not? God is God. He can do these things. And in the same way, He can save poor, wretched, miserable sinners from eternal death and hell by His very word. Why not? You know? Why not? Now, moving on to verse 4 here. By faith, we now get to not Adam... But Abel, which is kind of interesting, right? Now, could you see that in this verse, in, in this passage here, yeah. Actually, it's all one verse, a pretty long verse. By faith, uh, let's see. By faith, it, excuse me, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Now, I don't know. Who, who understands the story of Cain and Abel in the way that, you know, uh, I don't know. How do y'all see that story? It, do, y'all, do y'all think it's very fair that God saw that one sacrifice was more acceptable than the other. Sure. How so? Because Abel was
1: by faith, Cain was just the law. He had to do it. Yeah. Kind Felt of like God demanded it, so he had to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, there's there's this understanding that what would be more precious—the fat of the animal, shedding the blood of the firstborn, you know, lamb or whatever, or a grain offering. I mean, you both earn with the, spread of, with the sweat of your brow. But the thing is, is that by faith, um, the sacrifice of Abel was more acceptable because he knew that that was a much more precious sacrifice in God's eyes. Um, Cain just said, well, i got to do it. It's the same thing that you were saying with, you know, love, that, uh, you know, it was under compulsion. But by giving what was most precious, God saw that that was done with trust that God would see it in an acceptable light. Yeah.
1: Master. Yes. There is something infinitesimally larger than this. Think of Hannah. Think of Mary. Think of Elizabeth. Think of Sarah. Think we'll of a lot godly women. Yep. Remember that when Cain was born, his mother told a lie. <laughs> right. His mother told a lie. She said, "I have received a man, the Lord." Right. And Cain believed that he was to be the Messiah. That promised seed. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. the woman. Yeah. And he turned out to be a murderer. Yeah. Not a savior of life. And God did not approve of her lie. He did not even accept his serial offering. Right. He accepted only what is a life for a life. offering. Right. You have the he who takes a life is going to pay with his life. Right. He who commits a deadly crime is going to have to pay with his life. And Abel, by the grace of God, and hopefully by Adam's instruction, had the true and saving faith. That's what's the issue in that first Sunday school lesson of our Bible history students, and we never get it taught to us even at the seminary, unfortunately, because women don't lie. It's like Kavanaugh. <laughs> all right, all right, we're gonna we're gonna stop right there. The godly woman, even when Vashti refuses to come, God says, "No, kick her out All and right. bring
0: Esther in." Remember
1: okay. what the Word of God says about the godly
0: woman and about you know? godly people in I general. Know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, Thank you make godly women. yes. Yeah, and, we're, and we'll get to godly women, godly parents here a little bit later in chapter 11 with talk of Moses and how he was saved as a child, right? Um, but we'll get to this part right here that um, by God's word, to live, to live by faith is to live by the word of God. Keep this in mind as we go through these These parts of the uh, champions of the faith, right? To live by faith is to live by the word of God. That, like I said before from verse 3, that God created all that is seen with his breath, with the word. In the same way, he creates new life, he creates within us new life by his word, right? Um, And then we see that. with Abel and Enoch, we see that um, that they have something in common here, just like all the others. It says, without faith, it is it impossible to please him? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Right. And of course, Dr. Kleinig in his commentary ties this to what? What does he usually tie these things to? What do I always keep going back to? Grace. Huh? Oh, yeah, the word, grace. Where can you hear the word and receive God's grace in time and space? In the divine service, right? He's he's always bringing it back to the divine service to the point where you're just like, well, you're just kind of shoehorning the divine service in here. But I mean, he has a point that um, anyone who comes near to God in the divine service must believe two things about God. First comes the belief that God is, and then the second is the belief that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the people who seek him trust in his promises and approach him in the divine service to petition him as their heavenly patron for gifts from him, the gifts that he promises to grant them as his clients, <laughs> I like how he puts that, his clients who seek his mercy and grace. But we've talked about this before with Jesus Christ as our high priest. We can now draw near to God because Jesus Christ is the high priest for us and we are fellow heirs with Christ and can approach God the Father asking Him for whatever, knowing that He will hear our petitions and pleas and will give us what is needed, right? According to faith. And it's not that, you know, we're going to see here that um, when we get to Abel and Enoch and Abraham and all the rest of them. Where does it begin? You know, it begins with God's Word. God's Word is given to the people and they believe in the promises. It's not that they just conjured this up in their minds and they thought, I think this will please God, right? But it was God's Word that brought them into that life of faith, right? Remember that you know, to live by faith is to live by the Word of God. So now we get to. You see here, Noah, right, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, right, that he received this prophecy that God would flood the world, but he would save his household. That was a promise. Right And in reverent fear, constructed the ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. right? These things are yet unseen, but God has promised them, and we trust in His, his abiding word. And then we get to Abraham, right, that he obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive, As an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. He never built a house with a foundation. He never (laughs) uh he never established a ranch stead, you know, or a homestead or anything like that. He lived in tents. Because he lived in a way that even though this was the promised land, he lived as if this was not the end, right? In the same way, that's, that's how it began with the tabernacle, right? That it began with just a tent. The Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be in a place that was, that was adorned beautifully and everything, but was seen to be impermanent. I guess you could say it was a foretaste and a foreshadowing of what was to come, right? And we see that um, by by um, residing in tents, he confessed his faith. Um, he confessed his faith. Um, in an unseen, hoped-for place that God would eventually provide for him as his inheritance from God, right? Um, And then there's this talk of... From one man, and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many of the stars as in heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth now i don't know if this conjures up the hymn in y'all's mind you know i am but a stranger here heaven is my home y'all know that hymn uh it's half right <laughs> i'll just say that right now it's half right that hymn, "I am but a stranger here, Heaven is my home," is half correct. Because heaven is not the absolute end um, that remember how I laid out for y'all one time when we had, when we were in the other room, and we had the board and I drew how when you die, your body goes into the ground, and your soul goes to be in heaven. And if you think, you know, I am but a stranger here, heaven is my home, and that's the absolute end, that is not taking into account the resurrection of the dead. Right? That on the last day when Christ comes back, your body's in the ground, your soul is in heaven. when Christ comes back, the separation that was caused by sin between body and soul has now been bridged again. And with the resurrection of the dead, our bodies are raised from the grave, reunited with our souls to live in the everlasting kingdom of God in the flesh, resurrected, glorified, like Christ was on the third day, right? He is the first fruits of those that sleep. And um, somebody asked me, and it's like, what is it? What does it mean all this stuff? You know, how will I know that you're you and you know, how will I recognize other people? And I said, well, you know, we get the understanding of uh, soul from the Greek word psyche or psyche. So we get the word psychology, psychiatry, whatever. It has to do with the soul, the personality, what makes you you. That in the resurrection, I'll be able to say, "Hey her, good to see you." You'll able to say, Tim, Diane, hey, how's it going, y'all? Isn't this great? You may not exactly look like yourself. You may look younger or whatever, but you will be you. I'll be able to say, Jim, never better, buddy. Never look better. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll, you'll have that, the essence that makes you, you. That is what we look forward to, the resurrection of the dead. And we even will go on here to see how, um, you know, it says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them, uh, he, has, he has prepared for them a city, Right? That in this life, we have not fully received the promises given to us. In some ways, we are better off than these prophets and people from the Old Testament. Because we know who the Christ is. We have uh, seen the promise fulfilled in him. They had not... What is it? They died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. That in this world, we are going to face persecutions and hardships, trials and tribulations, and as Jesus would say, we have our crosses to bear. And it may depend on... Your uh, health, your disposition, your station in life, your age, or whatever, that those crosses are going to be somewhat different. Um, but we all have to bear the cross of being in the sinful world, suffering from the effects of sin, which are disease, uh, pain, and death. Right? Hold on one second. I'd like to ask you. Yeah, said
1: earlier about spiritual recognition. How come that Peter, James, and John recognize Moses and Elijah, Uh but the twelve disciples couldn't recognize the physical resurrected Jesus? That's interesting. How come that those three men recognize Jesus and Moses and Elijah? That's interesting.
0: Um, that's your
1: spiritual and physical recognition. You were talking about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's illustrated in
0: the book. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, that's a good question. How they recognized Moses and Elijah? It must have been a revelation of the Spirit to say, "This is who this is." And then in the resurrection of Jesus, when he was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They had no idea who they were talking with, but when was he revealed? In the breaking of the bread, right? (laughs) I'm getting the thumbs up here from Pastor Clement. In the breaking of the bread, uh, Christ is revealed. What do y'all think that means? What does that sound like? What are you pointing at?
1: what we right. have, the breaking of the bread.
0: That's right, the breaking of the bread That's and the, the sharing God. of the body of Christ with the body of Christ,
1: right? That's where we recognize each other to be members
0: of that body. That's right. When we have one head. When who is Christ. Head. Christ, right. And we are to grow to into head. mature manhood, as it were, we into the head God who is, the name, is Christ. What it means to be assembled. Right.
1: Where you yeah. are in my name. And the thing is, is that
0: that brings an interesting point, too, that in the resurrection, we will only be able to recognize each other by the power of Christ. The only reason we will be in the resurrection on the last day is because of Christ, because we are members of that same body. It's a good You know, made me think of that, that... When we gather around the body and blood of Christ in the supper, we are making a confession that the people that we are with as the body, we will see one day resurrected in body and soul on that last day and be rejoicing. And and there's a book that I um, uh, handed off to a few of the elders uh, called Come In, We're Closed. It's about... Closed communion and things like that. One of the great themes of that book, it's a novelette, real real short book, but one of the things was what we do in communion, what we have in the Lord's Supper, is a dress rehearsal, if you will, for the final banquet in heaven, in the last day, right? Uh, the uh, In the new heavens and the new earth, there will be a great feast, right? Right? The marriage feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which has no end. That what we do here in this place in receiving the body and blood of Christ is a dress rehearsal for that great day. That we confess that those people that we stand next to, kneel next to, receiving the body and blood of Christ, that we will be next to them at that great banquet. It's kind of a nice thing to think about, right? And all those who have gone before us, uh, friends, family, that have died in the faith, they, in some sense, gather with us spiritually in this place as well, in the communion of saints, looking forward to that final day when they will be able to join us in resurrected body and soul, joining in the feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which has no end. And all of this, like I said, we are blessed to know more so than the Old Testament saints. Because they only could get glimpses of these things. They only had little imperfect promise, like, not promises, imperfect glimpses of these things. We see these things in a more full sense because of what God's word has been Uh, Given to us since then in the New Testament and whatnot, right? The words of Christ, the words of the apostles. We can see these things a little more clearly, but they're still kind of dim for us because of our fallen flesh. We can only look forward to them in the same way that the saints of old did, but we have, in some sense, more reason to hope, (laughs) you know? We have more reason to hope because we have that Christ who has come and died for us and has crushed the head of the serpent, right? So in the midst of death and decay and riots and turmoil and all this stuff, we have that great promise and vision to look forward to in that last day with Christ and the marriage feast of the Lamb in His kingdom, right? Um... So in the same sense, these things are, these Old Testament saints are brought up for this congregation listening to this sermon as, as a great deal of, um, uh, it's, it's meant to be a great deal of encouragement, right? Because you see the saints of old and the things they struggle with. You see the saints of old and how they were derided. They were hounded for the promises. Think of Noah, the flack that he got for building this giant ark with only God's word to go off of to say that the world was going to flood and everyone thinking that he's crazy, right? Think about anybody who's not a believer and we tell them, I'm looking forward to the resurrection of the dead. What? You know? If you tell somebody that who's not a believer, they'll say, What do you mean by that? Right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense logically, reason, in fallen reason sense, right? Uh, But by faith, we have these promises of God that we hold on to, and we hold on to them firmly because we know that God's promise is sure. And how do we know concretely that God's promises are sure? Because he's come through on these promises through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? Does that make sense? That if the scriptures have proclaimed and prophesied to Jesus Christ or to the Messiah coming and dying Resurrecting from the grave to forgive sins and then it happens you know that God's promise is sure and that this person this man the only one to ever die and on the third day rise from the dead if he has something to say we ought to listen right um, we have these sure promises here All right, let's move on. Uh, Gone on about, on this long enough, but we can make it to the end here, verse, to verse 31. That doesn't even bring us to the end of uh, chapter 11. That's okay. Uh, Verses 17 through 31. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, um, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, from which figuratively speaking, he did, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in bowing in excuse me, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of, of Egypt for he was for he was excuse me for he was looking to the <coughs> By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. We'll stop there for today um, as, as far as our reading in chapter 11. So you see here there's more, you know, by faith, by faith, by faith, this rhetorical device being used um, over and over and over again that it wasn't by their own power or strength, it was by faith. Not in their own power or strength, but in the faith of the promises of God, right? We see that um, Abraham was tested, offered up his, his son, Isaac, and in this way was a type of Christ, A foreshadowing of Christ. Abraham, the father, giving up his only begotten son. And yet we see this beautiful picture of the the, uh, vicarious atonement in that the angel stays the hand um, of Abraham and says, do not do not sacrifice your son Isaac, right? Unless we think that Isaac did this under compulsion, remember this, Isaac was old enough to run away from his father. He didn't have to lay down on the pyre. He didn't have to be tied up by his very, 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 very old father, right? His father, his father Abraham was so old, he probably couldn't manhandle Isaac even if he tried. But Isaac willingly, being obedient to his Father and to God's will was there to be sacrificed. And so we see in that the obedience of the Son, Christ, to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, right? The only begotten Son. And then we see this too. (laughs) He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which... Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Because he was as good as dead. He was as good as dead according to God's word, and yet God relented and spared him and brought him back from certain death. And in the same way, this is a foreshadowing of the resurrection, right? By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And that's an interesting point there, too. Why does he mention the head of his staff that he was bowing over the head of his staff in worship? What do y'all think about that? Do y'all, do y'all know about that, that story, uh, the blessing of uh, the sons of Jacob? sons of Israel about how when he was in worshiping over the head of his staff, you know, he being um, being an old man they left the promised land to go where? To Egypt. And when they left the promised land what was really the only thing that was the only uh, possession that Jacob had? really, besides his family. It was the staff that he had. The only thing that he had in that world was that staff. And he bowed he bowed his head over that staff. Um, when he had come to the end of his earthly journey, he had not reached his promised heavenly homeland, but he bowed down over that staff in a Faithful act of, of of submission and trusting God who had promised to bring him to that place. So he put his, himself and his future in God's hands, right? And then with Joseph, we see that... Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention to, uh, of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones, saying, This is not my homeland. Please take me to the promised land once it comes time for y'all to leave. Right? And then we get to Moses, and we'll try and make this make through it fairly quickly. But we know the story of Moses, right? And Pastor Cluck brought up faithful women. The, uh, the Egyptian midwives at the time, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, if you look in your small catechism, it'll say, you know, is lying ever appropriate? And it's like, yes, when it comes to the uh, protection of the innocents. That the Egyptian midwives, when they were told, whenever you see a, uh, a Hebrew male, you need to kill it on the spot, and they wouldn't, and then when the authorities found out that all these boys were being born, they'd say, "What is going on?" And they and they lied, and they said, "Oh, these Hebrew women—they they give birth before we can even get there," you know, sort of thing. And 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 they lied, and God gave them uh, a uh, he he blessed them as a result of that, right? And in that we see that. By, by saving the life of these children, one of those children was Moses, right? By faith, this is, this, this is an interesting thing here. All these saints before this, it was all their own personal faith, right? Now, the faith that is being talked about is not necessarily of Moses. Moses is very passive at the beginning here, right? Right? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not and, and they were not afraid of the king's decree, right? Um, that it all started with the faith of his parents, uh, and I think in that sense you can say uh, with people who don't believe that babies ought to be baptized, you know, you say, well. Uh, The faith of the parents has something to say about that, right? Um, I'm trying to find a connection here. But it's like, faith is such a passive thing that people will, people nowadays in evangelical circles, Baptist circles, whatever, they'll say, you know, "But but I need to say what my faith is. I need to have that moment where I said, that's the moment that I first believed. And my response to them is, Thanks be to God that there was never a moment where I didn't believe. I can never remember a time where I didn't have faith. And that is the gift of my baptism. That in baptism, I was baptized as as a baby. And babies can believe. John the Baptist slept within his mother's womb when he was in the presence of the Savior. You can't tell me that children can't have faith. So when we are baptized, we have this faith that is given to us, and it is incumbent on the parents to raise the child in that faith, right? Um, And we see here that faith saved Moses through his parents, right? Um, And then Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he's choosing to be mistreated and despised by the world, right? Because he saw that the inheritance from God was so much greater. And this is further encouragement for the people who are listening to this sermon because before, in chapter 10, right, he was talking about how some of them, in the ways that they had been publicly mistreated, and the ways that they had been made to feel ashamed by the world, he's saying, Moses knows what you have can- Moses, Moses knows what you're going through. Right? He had everything, and he gave it up because he saw the, promised, um, the promise of God was so much greater. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And that's another thing. He, he saw God... Not with his physical eyes, but he saw God with the eyes of faith, right? It's another, another um, part of how it defies reason and logic in a fallen sense, and God transcends these things for us. We see him only with our eyes of faith. Um, I'm trying to think, kind of get through the rest of this real quick here, uh, and we'll touch again on this later on. Um, you see, by faith, people the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And that is a foreshadowing of baptism, right? Uh, if you all know First Peter chapter three, right? That in uh, the types of Noah and the ark and the crossing of the Red Sea, these people of God were delivered through water. And these were foreshadowings and types of baptism that are now seen culminated in the sacrament. That through water and the promise of God's word, we are saved from sin, death, and the power of, of the devil. Right? Yes, Pastor
1: Pastor, I wonder if in these days, in the times where government and church we have so many false conceptions of the relationship between church and state mm. and most people don't know what's in the Bible about church and state relationship People don't know what's in our Constitution as far as the relationship of church and state. We have some Supreme Court rulings and so forth, but we are confronted with people having to choose, like the Apostles, who were forbidden to publicly preach about Jesus. Yep. They had the meeting and they said to the authorities, You decide whether it's right for us to obey you. For and for your children, because if they're doing this when the tree is green, what do you think it's going to look like when the tree is dead and dry and yeah. liable to be burned?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That uh, that in times, if if it very very seriously, that if anything during these times of uh, unrest, to say it lightly, uh, you know. When the times were good, uh, if people were finicky during the good times, so quote unquote, what are they going to be like when the times get really hard? The times are getting hard, and they're going to get harder. And the point is that um, we have to be like these, these Old Testament saints who though there were hardships, and even harder you know, hardships than we could ever imagine, Even though they had these things, they still looked forward to the promises of God fulfilled and trusted in him above all things. Loved his word with such a fervor that they wouldn't forsake it for anything in the world. What does it profit a man if he gains the world but forfeits his soul, right? Um, But we see here that this is all the encouragement here Um, That even us, we who are fallen, sinful creatures, who don't deserve God's love, who only deserve eternal damnation and death, we, in some ways, can be seen in the likes of Rahab, who's mentioned here. Rahab the prostitute, right? Um, Verse 31 by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She was a Gentile prostitute. And yet what was interesting about this, this exchange, is that you know, the spies came to Jericho and she welcomed them into her, her home in the walls, right? What was typical is that if you went into the house of somebody else in the ancient world, you were under the protection of their gods that they had in their household. But because she had heard of all the wonderful things, of all the great and mighty things that God's people had done because of God's command and promise, she believed in their God. And her household was brought under the protection of their God, not the other way around. It was reversed because she saw their God to be the one true God that she knew that she could find the only refuge in. So think about that, that instead of being stubborn and resentful about having to give up whatever sort of gods we have in our lives, whether it be TV Cable news, <laughs> uh, the internet, Facebook, social media, uh, sports, whatever. Wealth, pride, strength. Instead of being stubborn and saying, no, I'm protected by these things. These are the things that I'm going to have my life surround. Instead, here are the mighty works of God done by his word. Not only in the prophets and and the people from of old, but in Jesus Christ. The mighty works that he has done in showing weakness being the ultimate strength, dying for you, forgiving you of all your sins by pouring out his blood for you. And then, despite any of the attempts of of the wily devil, he thwarts everything and rises from the grave So which we should follow him um, into that life that he has won for us for the sake of his cross, right? Um, We'll stop there. (laughs) We'll stop there. Um, Good good stuff. Uh, We're on standby for baby, as you know. And so... Be ready to hear that maybe Bible study is canceled next week. We'll see. We'll see. We have a doctor's appointment, so pray for us uh, today. Uh, We're going to go in and see how things are going. Everything's good, as far as we know. And doctors say everything's good. Um, But we appreciate your prayers. And uh, looking forward to bringing that new life into this world. Any, Any closing questions? Thoughts. It is exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Um, there's no questions or comments. We'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses